You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at Slow Ride Pod. Hello and welcome to the 319th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in lovely Orlando, Florida. Hey, this is Matt. So cold. So very, very cold in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, where you guys, I am on the struggle bus because I don't know exactly what I what I want to do. I need to, I have a problem and I'm hoping that you guys can help. I'm turning to you, my podcast friends. I recently purchased a photograph of bike racing from a professional photographer. (laughs) Does this make up for all of the photos that you've stolen from skinny ski in Minneapolis when we were racing as category threes and it just had the watermark? Like, do you feel was this a an act of? This is payback. No, um, but uh, hearkening back to those days, this photographer used to race professionally in the domestic uh, peloton here, and we helped him, uh, you know, have his moment of glory at the Nature Valley Grand Prix in Minnesota. So you're talking about the best p- photographer in the professional peloton right now, hands down. Absolutely, absolutely. His wife. Jared his Gruber, wife's a. Um, I, I bought a print, a big too. print. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to be second to somebody. So Jared is doing pretty good as the second best um, photographer in the professional peloton. But anyway, I got a great photo of Wout Van Aert uh, and Matthew Vanderpoel riding off the front at Flanders. And it's just an incredible shot uh, in just clouds in the background. Beautiful shot. Um, you can see it on his Instagram. If you look him up, Jared Gruber, uh, spells his name with two E's in Jared. Um, but anyway, my dilemma is I don't know where to put it in my house. It's a big print. It's like 12 by 18. And I'm thinking when you walk in the door, I want it to be the first thing that you see. But I also want to see it every day when I'm doing my thing. Like it should be above my desk. Should it be prominently in the living room? Should it be, you know, like, how do you solve this problem? One, do you have it framed yet? Not yet, but I am going to get it professionally framed. I'm not going to Target for this frame. What what kind of frame are you going to get? Are you going to get, like, the ornate, like, in the New York Museum of Modern, I mean, New York Art Museum? Like, the real, like, gold flakes around the outside? Oh, yeah, like... Beautiful like that. I figure I'm going to go in the framing place and just say, you know, the one the Mona Lisa has basically like that. Okay. Then it goes above the couch. Okay. All right. Like if you're going to like Michael's, uh-huh. right. And you're going to frame it yourself. I'm not. That goes in your office. A picture of that quality. I've seen this picture. It's probably the best picture I've seen in 2020 of cycling. Oh, easily. Besides the one of little Highmar riding a bike that I took on the Instagram. (laughs) 
there's a lot to love about this photo and I want to show it off, but I'm also, I also want to be selfish about it, I guess is my dilemma. I'll figure that out. But, um, it's one of those moments. I haven't been as moved by a moment in cycling in a few years for sure. As, uh, as the duel that we saw at Flanders between Matthew Vanderpool and Wad Van Aert, who is in the front of the two in this photo, I got to say, um, which pleases me because I was pulling for Wout. He's, he's looking great in that yellow uh, Jumbo Visma kit. Um, Visma is a small software company in Norway. I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that, but um, just want to put that out there as well. That's a very solid point. I would say that, Spencer, I was as equally moved when I saw a photo of Philippe crashing mm. out, which I have now made my Zoom background. Um <laughs> and I'm also going to make it my Microsoft Teams background, I'm thinking. <clears throat> but uh-huh. I'm a little worried, you know, so people could take offense because it could be like, there could be a lot of Philippe fans out there. And I don't want to like, you know, wear, wear my heart totally on my sleeve. But I'm thinking of buying that photo and putting it in the bathroom or in my bedroom for the similar reason that you had. Just like every day when you wake up and you're just starting to like feel you know splash of water on your face maybe brush your teeth you look up and then you see alaphilippe cl- uh-huh. crashing out you're like today is going to be a beautiful day all right that that puts the pep in your step i guess that's that's one way to look at it yeah i think uh, i think you've convinced me i need to go living room on this one because i need i need the show of domination that uh that was wout and matthew vanderpool over the entire men's professional peloton uh in 2020 to just slap people in the face, to really set the tone when, you know, someday when people can come over to the house again, uh, they will they will know who's just, boss. I just want to throw out there that I, I have my favorite ever cycling photo printed, matted up in beautiful. It was actually at Swift Cycle, my old bike shop behind the cash register, mm-hmm. when uh, my business partner Keith, happy birthday uh, to Keith, uh, and I shut down the store. We did our draft of what to take. He of course took the signed AG2R jersey. So I had the second uh-huh. pick and I took this amazing photo of Cyclocross Worlds with the Swift flag over the Shimano stairs. All of my internet cycling friends are there and the best part is the photo was taken by one Bill Shiken of Cyclocross Radio and a uh, you know cohort of the Wide Angle Podium Network. And it was, we got that photo from my friends that became members of the Swift Cycle team, and it meant so much to me. But there's a lot of power in having a great photo, Spencer, and that is an amazing photo. You definitely need to put that in your living room. Um, it, it's a, it's a great piece. Anybody that hasn't seen it, maybe Spencer can uh, retweet it again on the Slow Ride uh, podcast account, and uh, we'll put it up there. Yeah, and you know, Jared's a stand-up guy. He was a. Uh Dumb enough to take our advice to go straight off the front on the last uh, stage at the at the gun at the beginning of the oh, last stage he, of the Nature Valley Grand Prix. <laughs> you're you're welcome, Jared. Uh-huh. That was great advice. Um, now, Jared, if you could maybe get your team director from the time U23 development team to pay for the front uh, bumper on my Saturn wagon, um, that would have been great. That'd be great. A feed zone incident, we call it. <laughs> the insurance doesn't cover that kind of thing. From successful living, which gets me to the other. I think we need to put together a draft, boys, of the 
our favorite road racing teams that have gone bankrupt midseason or never started. So Successful Living could be in there. There's lots of great teams over the history, so that would be a whole other thing. We have a ton to talk about today. We have a lot of emails to fight through. We've got uh, the uh, an incident at the Volta about apparel. But most of all, the English-speaking media finally has the one thing they've been wanting. They, they want a hero of English-speaking cyclists to get them through the cold, dark months ahead. And of course, we're talking about the Ineos Grenadiers' uh-huh. little-known rider, uh-huh. Tao Gegenhart, winning the Vuelta in epic fashion. Giro. He won the Giro. I know Giro. it feels like Giro. it should be Giro. the Vuelta they- because it's the end of the year, but he won the Giro. <laughs> Virtually tied over... Jay Hindley of Team Sunweb by 39 seconds. Never before, and then Wilker Kelderman in third. Never before has a time trial in the last stage of a Grand Tour Never produced before. such excitement. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Never before. I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying I'm trying to rewrite history. Your ponytail man lost yeah, yeah, yeah. on the last day of the tour. That was- that was Minnesota more exciting. I, the tour was more exciting. This was more exciting going in because we, we knew we were going to get a tense time trial. Whereas mm-hmm. I didn't feel like Roglic was going to lose the one at the tour. I almost left during that. This one I actually paid attention to, and it wasn't as exciting. So, Can I ask a, a just a point of order here, guys? Sure. Is, la- is laser helmets arguably... like They had a really bad performance with the Roglic half tilt helmet that looked a little bit too small when he took the visor off it like maybe he replaced the helmet halfway through it just was a bad look mm-hmm. the pink Giro helmet from laser looked really good on Hindley right mm-hmm. another fantastic look however was it that you know like the helmet never got to the top step on the the most important time trial of the Grand Tour so just a little curious like I would say Laser actually came out ahead after the Giro, like almost made up for the, the the tour incident with Roglic because the helmet looked a lot better this time around. Just curious on your thoughts. I, mean, I don't think I have thoughts. You know, I hadn't really, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, Tim. Um, you know, but I'm so, I'm glad that somebody is thinking about it. Um, I, I I was really into this time trial. Here's what I think about time trial helmets. If it's not a pock, it's not a time trial helmet. That's what I think. That, <laughs> that's very true. Everything else and is just messing say, about. Yeah, and I don't want to derail us from our Jira talk because we, we need to we need to get into the Jira. There was a lot going on. You um, don't want to talk about sock height in the time trial because they both had really tall socks that also I thought could have brought a good amount of controversy that only the year 2020 could handle. Let's just do it. What do you got? I think they should have protested the sockite. I would have loved to see um, Gagan Hart lose the Giro on a sockite <laughs> They're not gonna protest. Do... Wait, what do you think the fine for sockite is? Two minutes or something? 40 seconds. 40 seconds. <laughs> how convenient, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, how convenient. Okay, Giro, okay, let me get started. I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's unfortunately like, three teams or two teams and our very own Giro correspondent, Michael Matthews had to bail um, due to both false positives and also positive tests in the Yates brothers and others. However, I had fun the last week 
was boring except for the stage on Saturday. <laughs> Little guy, wait. We settle down there. But it was boring except for Saturday <laughs> when the race finally blew apart. Hinley had to sit there and hold, like lead Kelderman up these climbs. He could have won in dominating fashion, but he had to hold back for his team leader. Um, it was it was a little disappointing. I I would argue that it, it, the I mean the race was made more interesting because of that, just as it was made more interesting by the fact that neither Teo or Hinley came in as leaders. We lost all the big favorites, and then we had all the old the rest of the old favorites blow up, and we had you know we we had we had surprising racing the whole time. I thought the race was good. The whole week was good just because Almedia seemed like he might hold it out for a while there till he mm-hmm. cracked on what Thursday or something, that, you know. And then then we had this. Mm-hmm. Kelderman was going to win basically from that point. So we all thought. I think I'm also a little bit jaded, and Spencer, maybe you can jump in here uh, and help Love me out on, on my jadedness. But I think it does probably have to do with the fact that the Vuelta was being the Vuelta with amazing, you know, finishes that were like 10 yeah. percent climb last 3K, and then at the Giro, it's like, oh. We're just going to protest the rest of this stage. Let's get on the team buses so we can make this really short and less interesting and exciting. I know I'm supposed to be all for the riders, <laughs> rider safety and health, yeah, but I was true. like, oh, that's kind of weird that you do it, what, 60K into the stage? No, they did it earlier. Here's, here's my argument for why it was, it was not just for rider safety. It was for our safety. It was a flat stage. Nobody cared. No, I, I agree. Nobody cared. And it was too long. I get that, but they just saved you time. Like you were able to did. go do some laundry, do some dishes, clean up around the house or something, rather than watching that boring I, flat stage. But it was the only time that I really got to see Adam Hansen in his final Grand Tour, the Cobbler, one of our favorites here on the podcast, <laughs> leading the protest. So if you're going to go out, Adam, you go out the best possible way. I do appreciate that, and the fact that he was able to help organize the riders to save us the time. Point taken, little guy. He deserves special yeah, credit for that. That's um, I just, fair. I just felt that there was a, a couple of stages in the week there, Wednesday, Thursday, I believe, that were maybe even Tuesday, that were just boring compared to the Volta. Well, so, it's a hard comparison because the first week of the Volta has been the craziest first week of a Grand Tour ever, so... We'll, we'll talk about that, but I mean, this, it's hard to compare it's, to the most nutso race ever. It's an interesting uh, fact that you bring up, little guy, that a two-week Grand Tour would uh, be forced to make a bunch of crazy, awesome stages right off the bat. But we'll get to that later, I'm sure. I, I want to... I want to quickly touch on a thing that I can't believe Tim has not brought up yet about the Giro and the finale um, with... Uh, Hindley and Kelderman on the podium there. That is a just out of left field stellar performance from an amateur team uh, in the Peloton. Um, team Sunweb, who were recently <laughs> downgraded from the world tour by uh, Tim the Super Rookie Hayes uh, for being an amateur team, really uh, coming through in the Giro <laughs> and taking two of the three available podium spots. Yeah, you know, sometimes the, the amateurs... Uh, um, yeah, really step up their game. They they also did okay in the in the tour. Um, I gotta admit, <laughs> probably inspired uh, by uh, Matthew Vanderpool or someone uh, from a lower uh, level team. I gotta admit that like the, uh, I I know I wasn't the only one going like ah oh, that team's left for dead. Like who are who is this team? And here they are looking amazing with a um, with a 
a Team Sunweb sandwich on the 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 Juro podium. Um, shout out to 16th place Ariane Pietre from AG2R for 16th place. Um, Damar takes the the points over I mean, um, Sagan in dominating fashion. Gagan Hart was the youth winner, and uh, Ruben Guerrero of uh, EF takes the King of the Mountains. Spencer, I don't want to I don't want to gloss over the hard fought battle there for 16th, Tim. Um, we had two Americans in the mix for 16th, right down to the uh, right down to the wire there with um, Brandon McNulty on UAE and Larry Warbass, also on AG2R, um, who probably didn't want to pip his teammate um, you know, there <laughs> for that 16th. But you can see that it's starting to mean something to the guys. Yeah, so that's, th- that's actually a very smart move by Larry Warbass to not beat the French guy on AG2R, um, the first place guy on your team. Yeah. You know, you want to keep that contract. You got must be a contract. Yeah, here, yeah. Yeah. You got to like, Oh, you know, I'm going to help the French guy get 16th. Um, and then teams, Spencer, you must be actually really excited about the, uh, the team winner by 22 minutes. Uh, Ineos Grenadiers. Mm-hmm. Um, re- the team's really speaking, speaking up for you, huh? Really capturing your heart. You know, you speak a lot about villains in cycling, Tim. Uh, it's been a hot button issue for you lately. And, you know, while I understand where you're coming from, I haven't really totally bought into all of your theories recently because I've had a long-standing villain already uh, for years now in the Peloton, and that is Ineos slash Team Sky. And, you know, 2020 was set to be no different until everything changed. And now, at this Giro, I found myself kind of rooting for him. They were the underdog, and it's weird. They now, were kind of the underdog. They did win seven stages. Yeah, but, like, I'm not offended by it. Seven. Spencer's all about Ineos. Now's probably the time to talk about what Carapace was doing over in uh, the Volta. Uh, now, now, I don't want to say I'm all about Ineos. Don't, don't start putting words in my mouth, but I'm just saying I think it might be okay to root for them a little bit sometimes. In the right circumstances. I mean, are you guys feeling the same thing? Like, did, you, did you feel a weird twinge of guilt? No. C- counterpoint. <laughs> you, you, I, did, I, did, I did enjoy them in the race, Spencer, but after you, you brought this up earlier on the Slack, I, I read oh. Brailsford's uh, comments after the win, and I now fully hate <laughs> them more than I've ever hated them before. Uh, he spoke of the inspiring stance that uh, whatever the guy who owns the petrochemical uh-huh. company takes, just in life in general, the way he's like, I'm just going to go out there and like make some petrochemicals and stuff, yeah. you know, man? What's inspiring? Um, wow. Yeah. If you want to be inspired, go read that and you'll hate Ineos again, even though it does seem like they have some I- nice riders on the team. Look at any more Jiro talk. Well, I did have a proposal for time trials for last day uh, time trials, and I know some people maybe okay. found this exciting, but I do think this time trial promised a lot. Did not really deliver on the last day. We did have El Media uh, jumping over Bilbao, but what I would like to see on the last day time trials is that maybe the top sixteen. Let's just go sixteen. Just throw out a random number. The top sixteen riders. You have to ride, like, first place and second place would have to ride together. They'd have to do, like, a two-up team time trial, as okay. there used to be a lot of two-up team time trials 
in the in the 80s and 90s and stuff that riders would ride all the time and so you would have to do it with maybe a teammate maybe not a teammate you have to do it with the rider above you and the first whatever like it's a 15k time trial the first 14k would be a standard time trial and then the last bit you could race each other and so you would have to work together to not get caught no, by no, the no, riders no. behind and possibly lose GC spots. But um, at the end, then it could basically turn into like um, like a little bit of a like a, a track a track point hey, race. This okay. is this is starting to sound a little bit too much I, like the fan, like the crazy track racing that we had on the last night of the year. Like, oh, it's the you know. Well, think, so what is it? Sixty k? Do you think, little guy? And then the first thirty k, you work I, together. No, I'd say I like most. It. Like everything until the last K you work together and they take your time from that. And then at the end of that, there's like some sort of bonus for winning the last K. So you would have had Hinley and, and, and Tao working together to make sure they didn't lose a Why minute. Why would they work to? Because cause if they didn't go fast enough, the two riders behind would have taken time back on them. Little guy, I, I like what I like what you're doing. I don't know that this is the finished product, but I, I do agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you 100% that time trials need to be <laughs> reworked. Um, we've we've seen it. We've seen the best they have to offer. Um, I don't think it's going to get any better, uh, obviously, than Fignon and Greg LeMond. We've been trying for 40 years, and we just haven't topped it. So it's time to shake things up. I I, I had not considered two-up time trials, and I... I, I'm going to take that. No, no, no. I'm I think that is yeah. A-plus material. Top 16 uh, have to go two up. So you've got eight groups of riders going out. But here's the thing. Here's how they work together. They have to ride together, but both of them get the time of the second-placed rider of their pair. So if yeah, one of them drops the, the other one. At the end. That's true. That's true. That would yeah. be good. Yes. If you're not going to do they, the tacky thing. Because yeah, then, for to. sure, the first two really had to work because, like, yeah. Bilbao could have jumped onto the podium if Hinley or, or Gayohart messed around. I, I like what you guys are doing yeah, here, but I have right here the UCI um, rule book. And um, it, uh -huh. oh, it says right here, 10-C4, um, no fun allowed in the UCI. So, unfortunately, this new time trial rule mm. is not going to work. Um Thanks for bringing it to the table, though, guys. Sorry does, to just uh, throw that one out. Does that have the normal uh, subdivision C afterwards? Look down in the footnotes because it usually, if you apply enough cash, uh, <laughs> it, it can happen. You get a sticker. So just check. Yeah, just check on that one and make sure it's uh, there. I think I think there's an option though. If you do a really long transfer late at night before it, you're allowed to do it. That's yeah. So that's a good point. Let's get into the Vuelta guys. The Giro, fantastic. Put a stay, you know, yeah. It's done. It's over. Thank you. Two Grand Tours down. Let's get to the more exciting two-week Grand Tour. Of course, we're talking about the Vuelta. Um, the Vuelta is coming at us. It's the seventy-fifth running. What makes the Vuelta even more exciting this year is that it's in northern Spain, which means every finish is going to be out of this world. And since it's check notes. October, almost November, the weather is going to be <laughs> epic instead of the hot, miserable race that we're used to. Guys, today was stage six. Richard Carapaz attacked, took the red jersey from Roglic. The first five stages of the race, Roglic mm -hmm. was in dominating fashion with 
America's own Dan Martin. Dan Martin is now in third place with Hugh Carthy of EF Pro Cycling in second. This is already the greatest Vuelta, the greatest Grand Tour of the year. I absolutely love it. Um, Control F, Froome. Um, he is uh, one hour, four minutes, and 24 seconds back, which means that, yes, little guy, you and I were correct in saying that Chris Froome um, has absolutely nothing left. Actually, it was me and Spencer. Sorry, little guy, I don't want you to get you off the hook. That um, Chris Froome will never do anything because Brailford does know everything. His career is over, and Israel Startup Nation <laughs> bought a bag of bones, literally. With this amazing telling of the tape i want to go down segway street here and i want to talk to you both about my fantasy cycling team this is going to be amazing podcast radio i can't wait to tell you everything about who i have on my team not only do i have yeah well this is this is bad little guy we're gonna have to cut this out of the show just you guys just make sure that this part doesn't make it you guys don't this is terrible this is gonna be bad radio we can't No, but people i'm not allowing people love to talk about fantasy cycling stuff like all the the time but they don't want to hear you talk about your no no, no, absolutely i'm putting my foot down i'm putting my foot down podcast is all about guys tim this is maybe the worst idea you've had on this podcast like this is garbage no we're cutting i also have felix groschnatter Yeah, I do. Like, oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. Well, here we are back. Uh, let's talk about the Vuelta guys. Uh, no one really missed anything here. Um, Ian Izagir, I don't know what Izagir brother he is, but um, he slayed it today. Michael Woods, king of the VO2 max. Shout out to friend of the podcast, Mitch Docker, who's a teammate, Michael Woods, delivering him to a sweet um, finish. So, yeah, guys, how we doing? I'm loving it. Uh, we're we're doing good. There's so much excitement going on. Like, I, I think I was prepared to be depressed about cycling uh, in 2020, and it's really turned a corner um, recently with the with the Giro kind of really getting exciting there at the end, and the and the Vuelta turning turning everything upside down as well. Like, it's great to see all these younger riders doing stuff. Um, I saw I saw a quote today from Primos saying that he thought Sepp Kuss could win the Vuelta. That's amazing. So, Did you see that? That's incredible. He's not winning it this year. Dude, Roglic is going to lead this thing. He's going to get the jersey back. He's going to dust Carapaz again. I mean, Rog- Carapaz looks good. He does. And just think if he would have went to the Juro, he would have won that again. Like, they totally mismanaged Carapaz for the um, the tour. I think they're going to say that this one worked out in their favor just fine. Can I – let's get to something here. Friend of the podcast, probably listening to us on the team bus right now, Mitch uh-huh. Docker. By the way, I haven't gotten my cycling cap yet. Need a reorder. The Mitch Docker Life in the Peloton cycling caps look great. Spencer, you got yours? I got mine and my sweatshirt. Yeah. Ah, love it. Okay, real quick. Mitch, if you look at Mitch's results – and Mitch is one of the hardest workers in the Peloton. He got a 65th on stage four. Hasn't cracked the top 100 on those other stages. What can we reasonably ask for Mitch? To, like what? Mitch, we need you to do one of two things here. Mm-hmm. Top 50? Or you need to attack in the feed zone. Something that just... <laughs> let let us know you're listening to us. Like if uh, it's a hostage video, blink twice. You know, like Mitch, what? you know, give us something. 
Give us something really good. Just don't always help Michael Woods to top finishes and Hugh Carthy, Hugh Carthy to, you know, top five in the GC. This is about you, Mitch. Contract year. We have it on tape that Hugh doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Volta is looking good. Which is weird because Mitch is always talking about it on the bus. And, yeah. You know. Hugh just has to ignore it all yeah. the time. Yeah, all the time. Guys, I absolutely love the Volta. It is so much fun to watch. It's just nonstop. It's all these finishes. I would like to call them, you know, Valverde finishes because at any moment, you know, Valverde has a good chance to win the stage. Um, if, if he's delivered in the right spot, it's it's so much fun. Valverde today, he was like... Yeah, but he's wearing that Zubeldia mask this year, so... Yeah. Yeah, he is, but... Anyways, what I mean... It's weird that he put his Halloween outfit on so early. <laughs> the best part, I, I think there's only one time trial, too. You know, 18 stages. This is great. Cut yeah, cut four more off, get rid of a rest day, and, like, we're, we're on track for an amazing setup. Um, man, there's only two sprint stages, really? You know, like, pan flat? It's, it's pretty... It's pretty awesome. Yeah, and of course, the biggest thing about the Volta is that Movie Star are in the lead of the team competition, which I I was shocked to see that they did not win the team competition in the Giro, which I must must have been some sort of oversight uh by their administration team not getting enough uh top riders to the Giro or something, but uh it seemed out of character. Here's one. Can can we talk about um Dan Martin? Real quick, little guy oh, yeah. gave, I believe the prediction was that Dan Martin was going to do exceptionally well in this because this is his moment to put the foot down with Chris Froome's pending arrival on Israel Startup Nation. If you guys were, well, you are betting men over on Roller Derby. Will Dan Martin end this race mm-hmm. on the podium? I think that was a good shot. He's looking good. Nope. And like you said, um... It's just a bumpy race, yep. so it's really perfect for him. I mean, God, I hope he makes it. Like, I, I, I hope he makes it just as much as I hoped friend of the podcast, Richie Port, would be on the podium at the tour. I do think Roglic is going to take this, but, oh, man, so much fun. It is good. Check it out. Oh, <laughs> quick shout out. Uh, since the Jura was on Flow Sports and all of professional cycling is for the most part done, if you're on your monthly subscription to Flow Sports, like I was, because I did the math, you know, if it's on autocorrect, why don't you just take that $30 you just saved and put it to us at the Slow Ride Podcast by going to WideAnglePodium.com. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. As your financial advisor. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get with Michael Matthews to see how he is doing in prep for the 2020 cycling, 2021 cycling season. Hi, I'm Hugh Carthy from Education First Cross Cycling, and I don't listen to the Flow Ride podcast. Here we are in the Prem Lap. We'd like to thank all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to WideAnglePodium.com. Click the donate button at the top to become a member of our awesome family of supporters that keep the lights on and keep the space going. We have a wider range of independent cycling media and podcasts to check out from all different types of shows and our very own YouTube channel. We'd like to thank everyone that has become a subscriber. We reached our 1,000 subscriber goal. 
And there is countless great content, including Little Guy's race previews and the return of the heat check cyclocross because there is cyclocross racing happening over in Europe. Bill is once again throwing down with some great content there. So check it out by heading over to wideanglepodium.com. Check out the family of shows and going to wideanglepodium.com slash YouTube. Indeed. We're also, again, sponsored by Willa's Kitchen this week, bringing us the delicious, delicious oat milk. Um, you can head over to willskitchen.com, check it out. they got two different kinds over there. You can sign up for just get a one-time order. You can do subscription. They've got organic oat milk. It's uh, super, super healthy stuff. And also just the most delicious oat milk I've ever had. I can back that up. I got my uh, package in the mail the other day. I got I got a two-pack of the uh, of the original flavor. And, uh, yeah, no... No exaggeration, best oat milk, hands down. So I've been, uh, you know, I'm usually kind of a black uh, black coffee guy. Um, rarely do I fire up the espresso machine these days. Seems like a lot of work. But uh, I've been, you know, dusting off the old Chris King tamper and uh, making, pulling some shots and frothing up some tasty oat milk uh, with the Willas there. And uh, you can do the same using Slow Ride 20. To save yourself 20% on your order. Just quick story here. I know you guys, I always talk to you about how I'm not like the biggest coffee drinker, but I'm just getting into it because Grimper Brothers makes great coffee and all of that. But I did go after a ride, local coffee shop down the road. This is the coffee shop I went to last time that had like when I brought my Willa's oat milk sample in my jersey pocket. A little awkward for the 70 miles I rode, but it worked. Um, I get there and I'm like, yeah, I'd like a Cortadito, please. Um, and then they're like, oh, what kind of milk do you want? And I say, Willa's oat milk. And they said, oh, we don't serve that. I just turned away and walked out, rode back home, made Grimper at home with my Willa's oat milk. How about them apples? Those are probably delicious apples. Better better than even a Honeycrisp. That's right. I would also like to give shout out special care package I just got from our good friends over at Buckler Skincare. Mm. Go to bucklerskincare.com for the world's best chamois cream. They have two different flavors, but they more specifically, they have the Wide Angle Podium Miracle Wap chamois cream. The the tingle is the miracle. It's great stuff. Love it. Bathe in it. Check it out. Go to bucklerskincare.com. Hands down the best chamois cream and embrocation in the business. It's starting to get a little chilly out there. Spencer, I know you're riding around Walden Pond all the time up there in Boston, and you want a little Belgian knee warmers? Get some embro while you're there. And buying some of that Miracle Wap. Oh, Miracle Wap is uh, is a lifesaver. I know during our Everstring Challenge, I uh, probably went through four or five uh, tubs of it. Uh, so <laughs> on one day, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, the tingle actually is miraculous. So I would uh, I would suggest checking it out. We get a, a little bit of um, the proceeds from that to help support what we're doing here at the network. Um, so if you can't. Uh, if you can't donate because uh, it's tough times for everybody, um, that is an easy way to get something that you know you're going to use in your daily life um, and also support the network. So we'd appreciate it. Let's get back to the show, guys. This is right. This is right. 
This is Ryan Woodall, Florida's first cyclocross national champion. You're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. Hey guys, we are here. We are back. It is time. Let's let's dig into all of our Apple Podcast listeners. Thank you for those that have left reviews over 327 ratings, including countless five-star reviews. Somehow our average has dipped down to 4.5. I'm doing some cocktail map, napkin math. That's just wrong. And we do have two one-star reviews. Yeah, well, whatever. But let's give a quick shout-out to our latest review. This one comes to us from Tom CNC. Great cycling banter. I've really enjoyed this show, especially during the COVID pandemic. Ooh. Also a big fan of Klein Corner. Having owned many Klein bicycles, both road and mountain. That's, Keep up that's the awesome. great work. Well, Tom, it's it's almost as if you know what's in our email inbox. We got something to us from Derek Gross. Subject, out of control, Klein Corner. I love to shred the gnar on a classic Klein, but the frame cannot cost more than a fully built top-of-the-line carbon hardtail. The paint on this isn't even original. How do we take back the spirit and pricing of 26-inch Klein mountain bikes? Gentlemen, I have dropped the link in our chat for arguably <laughs> the worst Klein corner I have ever seen on eBay. This is a Klein Android. It is being sold for oh $8,500. And, and written condition from the owner itself says... Fus- the fuselage painted by Spectrum Powderworks. It isn't even original paint. It is that it tries to be Gator Fade. It is argue. It is by far the worst paint job of a client I've ever seen. And this clown wants eight thousand five hundred. But there's more. I'm I'm looking for the the person's name. It just R thirty two Tom NYC. Wow. They, maybe this is the same person that left the review. I don't know. It could be. This would be off awkward because he could be giving us a one star because this thing is embarrassing. Selling my personal favorite frame. Time to let them go to someone who can enjoy them. Super hard to to find in this condition. The fuselage painted by Spectrum Powderworks. Bearings are not pressed in, however. They will come with frame. Please ask questions before bidding. Frame is 20 inch and the bars are 22 three quarter inches. Mm-hmm. I do not need to sell. The The closing on this is I do not need to sell. Well, R32 Tom NYC, at $8,500, I think it's pretty clear that you don't need to sell it. <laughs> or intend to, or want to. I mean, there's some crazy prices on eBay, but nothing as crazy as this one. Derek calling him out. Derek, Derek must have a, a an alert. Um, here and Derek says, "P.S. Non-motivated sellers are the worst," <laughs> and I, I we agree. And uh, guys, what do we have to do to get the Klein prices back? I mean, we already blew the spot yeah. on the Bianchi single speeds. Now Kleins are going through the roof for twenty-six. What brand should we just arbitrarily pick right now here on the podcast to see if we can just drive up the pricing and maybe Klein falls back to reality? I mean, I'm always tempted to say Impella um, just because I don't know what happened to that brand or if they still make frames. I'm also partial to the Gertrude, uh that I used to have. Uh, I had several of those frames, so um, 
but I don't know that uh, they are really worthy. Nothing. There's no jazzy paint jobs. You know what I mean? I think you need like, yeah, I really like the 26 inch mountain bike need though. Right. Like I think Klein, the Bianchi's mountain bikes did that. I think it'd just be, it'd be cool if we can find something else to take the shine off of the Klein. Yeah. So much of the 26 inch world is blown up, but it's hard to really find a, a sleeper to come in and, and steal the Klein's back. I don't know. Well, email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com. If you have some answers on what brand we should be going after that is next to blow up on eBay, like an $8,500 Klein Android without even an original paint job from a non-motivated seller. And we'll know if it's the same time that left us a sweet five-star review talking about Klein bicycles next week when we check our Apple iTunes rating and we see if we're at one star, um, in that review, um, there's no crying in cycling. Gentlemen, after seeing our favorite American cyclist, Dan Martin, power to a stage win in the Volta using his impressive dad watts, we were all treated to a lovely post-stage interview where he teared up as he dedicated the win to his wife and kids. I don't know about you guys, but there are a few things I love more than tough guy cyclists turning into big old emotional softies after a win. As someone fairly new to the sport, help a girl out. What are your favorite post-race sob fest interviews for those times when you just want to feel something? Mike Woods at the Vuelta, Degenkolb at the Roubaix stage of the Tour got me real good, but I'm sure there are a few must-watch moments. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Courtney in Portland. I'm assuming Portland, Maine. Courtney, there's a couple that come to mind for myself. I will flip that my favorite post-race interview that is full full, full sob fest is uh, S- Cecile Utrip Ludwig after, I believe, the tour, um, the one-day tour race. La Corsa. La Corsa. Thank you, Spencer. I think that she had an interview that was just fantastic talking about the, um, the quality of the women's racing and why that needs to be a multi-day event, basically. Put your eyes on it. Do you guys recall that? Oh, yeah. Great. great um, I think that could be good. The Dan, the Dan Martin one that, uh, Courtney, you are referencing is fantastic. Also, the Michael Woods one is an all-timer. Mm-hmm. It's especially an all-timer when you listen to the Michael Woods appearances on the Life in the Peloton podcast with Mitch Docker really gives you even more flavor about how awesome Michael Woods is. So I'm a huge fan of all of that, but I am with you, Courtney. Anytime you see that, the the full emotional breakdown really makes these, uh, these, you know, people, godlike figures almost come crashing down to earth and you realize that it is more than just bike racing. Um, little guy or Spencer, do you guys have any, uh, other ideas or thoughts on best all time post-race interviews? Yeah, I had, um, I thought when I saw this email and I and I went back to watch it, it was the the I think it was ninety two tour Finyon wins into Molehouse or something. I forget what stage it is ninety two tour. But at that point he was kind of on the decline. Uh, everyone on EPO was kicking his butt all the time, and he hadn't won anything for a while. And I watched it again, and he doesn't cry in the post race interview. I think I was the one crying that watched it the first time, so I think that's where I got confused. You're, I'm crying, but. But uh, yeah, exactly. But the he's not crying, but just the look of of pure joy on his face. He looks so much happier than so many cyclists look when they win things. And just yeah, he's sit, like sitting around with friends afterwards, and he just looks he just looks so happy in such a beautiful way. So 
1992 tour. Fignon, watch it. I think it's his last, like, big win, too, other than, like, he wins, like, a stage of the Tour of Mexico or something. So, you know, it's really, like, he's savoring it. It's like, it's almost like he One of my favorite, I mean, this isn't favorite, but I, because it was heartbreaking, is the crying that happens when someone isn't as successful. And one of the most heart-wrenching fashion that I recall is when Georgia Gould, I believe it was at the Wyndham Mountain Bike World Mm -hmm. Cup. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was going to win her first and I believe only World Cup. And she like flatted 200 yards away from the finish line and had to run in, but then didn't get the victory because I think one of her teammates beat her on the line. And she was just like emotionally wrecked at the end of that. And that was probably one of the most like, man, bike racing also sucks. <laughs> like when something like that and someone as awesome as Georgia Gould couldn't you know, didn't win the World Cup that she so deserved because of a ill-timed mechanical. Yeah, there's some, Van- I forget which one of the Vanderpool World Championship years, there's one where Vanderpool was just completely in tears to not quite having it. Also, on the cross world, I think I think it was when he was at U23 or junior or something, Jean, Jean Gadre, you remember Gadre, you guys? That sounds familiar. Like yeah. an alien. <laughs> um, 82, our fame, uh, podiumed at the Giro once. Anyway, he... I, it was something like he, his, he had the win in the bag, it seemed like, and he went past the pits the first time. And it was something like his mechanics like ran to the finish so they could be there when he celebrated, but he flatted. Mm-hmm. Like, in between, and then he didn't... He couldn't get a thing, and he, he lost. I don't know. I don't remember the exact story. I don't remember where I heard this, but something brutal like that. Like, they were trying to be there to like for the celebration, and it turned into crime. That sounds absolutely horrible. It's really bad. <laughs> Get to yeah. another email. Um, this one comes to us from friend of the pod, Ryan Fisher in Cleveland, Ohio. Mistake by the lake. He says straps over or under, and it's a picture of his COVID mask. As Ryan is a frontline worker in the healthcare industry, th- he I think he's reminding us that we need to wear our masks. He's wearing his. I don't know if he's wearing it all the time. I mean, it's cold up there in, in Ohio, so it may make sense to just ride uh all the time with a mask up there. But guys, do you put the straps over or under? I'm 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 for the mask and then the helmet over. It helps keep the mask on. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think the helmet straps need to go over, but I was approaching it from a different angle, saying when you get to your destination, you take your helmet off, the mask gets to stay yeah, on. And it's already on. Yeah. So, yes. Um, I've done it the opposite way where I thought about it. I thought about putting the mask on after, and then it is dumb because you get to where you're going, you try to get your helmet off, you start to right. pull it off, the mask yanks up and starts to choke you or something. <laughs> so yeah, I think mask, then helmet. Mask, and helmet. I'm with you guys because it keeps it on, right? It doesn't get caught in your ears when you, you take it off. I mean, it's kind of like eyewear glasses, right? Like eyewear, I wear under the straps unless it's sunglasses and I wear over the straps. That's just me, but you know, it is what it is, so... We're good. I agree. Let's get another um, great email. This one comes to us from Annika, Annika Langvad. Huh. Dear Slow Ride Pod, I need your help. I used to be a professional female cyclist. I'm now retired from that minimum wage job and have gone into dentistry. Can you please recommend a suitable titanium bike for a super rookie dentist? Yours truly, Dr. Annika Langvad. And then, of course, it has... 
and Annika Langvad Instagram posts. So what do pro cyclists do when no longer aiming to be the next big race? They become dentists. Um, so it must be true that Annika Langved is obviously looking for a titanium bike. Gentlemen, clearly you know what I'm going to say, which of course is that you should be riding a Moots at all times to the one-time world champion in 2016. I mean, here's the thing. Do you think Annika Langved has earned a Moots, Tim? Or do you think just anybody can get a Moots? Is there any like is there any sort of gatekeeping at all or just like you're a dentist you're good to go? I think the fact that she was a world champion in 2016 and then managed to graduate from dentistry school in 2017 in the mm-hmm. peak of her professional racing career that she's allowed to bypass any <laughs> gate whatsoever there shall not be no gate. Um right. I in fact I might have to sell my moots because I'm not worthy to have a moots if she was to have a moots. That is how amazing her career is. I mean, right? Like, dude, she's a five-time world champion of mountain bikes. Yeah, it's wild. In the cross-country marathon, sorry. Um, that, that, that email and note did come to us from, uh, from Dave. So, uh, Dave, thanks for uh, sending us uh, Annika's uh, note and passing it through uh, post. Um, we got a couple of emails here um, coming to us from friend of the pod, Ryan Dotson. I'm going to kind of combine these. One is that he's got a uh, an upcoming birthday for his son that and he, requ- he the request came through for a world championship jersey for his son and mm-hmm. he disagrees with his wife who will make an appearance in the second email here about if the son is allowed to wear a world championship jersey. I feel like I have history on this little guy. You probably also have, um, you know, can touch a little bit about just getting the kid out on the bike and how awesome it is. I have. Now this is clearly because the kid has not won a world champion. Yes. Ship. Yeah. And, okay. So it, got it. And little Heimar has yet to win a world championship, but I have him in the stripes every now and then. I got a sweet Trek Segafredo, Mads Peterson world championship stripes uh from a uh, friend of the pod chad in uh, madison so you know he's wearing the stripes he flaunts it it's his favorite jersey um mm-hmm. besides the trek uh, women's team jersey which also looks amazing so i don't know let the kid wear the stripes man right i mean you gotta get him used to it right he's three i think it's three or two get him used to it yeah i mean Little Heimar's first helmet was the laser helmet that had the world championship stripes on it. I wonder how much uh, the UCI charges laser for their little kid's helmet that has the stripes. It's got to be ridiculous. I just thought of that. We were talking earlier, Spencer, about the bribery part of the UCI. There you go. Um, so, so Ryan's second email, I think, is a little bit more in-depth. But in short, it's that mm-hmm. his wife wants an e-bike. The Bianchi area E-Road, e they rode them together. They both rented these in Barcelona last year. What a jet setter before okay. the lockdown, going over to Barcelona for his anniversary. Man, I hope it was in that two-week window of the Vuelta. So as he's riding along the Mediterranean, it is awesome. She wants the bike. Yeah. Problem is, is that he's bought some other bikes that don't get used as much because okay. real life happens. Yeah. Life happens. They're not going to happen. 
Like, you know, you just can't ride. But he doesn't want to spend a lot of money on an e-bike that's just going to sit there and become a cobweb collector. So he... But he isn't opposed to having an e-bike to ride around himself. So he would... Uh, he's considering... Yeah, yeah. So he would consider getting a size that she and Ryan can both ride. However... We are separated almost by almost a foot in height. Five foot four versus six foot three. So that seems a bit unlikely. So here's where he needs... Six foot yeah, three. Yeah. So here's where he needs some advice. Should I just get a bike that uh-huh. is clearly too big for my wife and only a little too small for me or get something that fits her properly? I really want to have a good relationship with this bike, but if my wife might actually ride it, I should probably get something that fit her better. I guess. P.S., if I do get this new bike, it sure would be cool to have a nice lock to secure it. Well, first off, Ryan, I know you won the, the contest for the Avis lock. Congrats. I will send it out um, when the pandemic's over. Uh, <laughs> so hold tight. Yeah, hold tight. Just hold tight. Gentlemen, this is an honest question. E-bikes are a little spendy. They are amazing, though, to get people out riding bikes. Mm. I have my advice to Ryan, and it's quite honest. It's... Get your wife a bike that fits. If you're flying to Barcelona for your anniversary, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure your bank account probably has enough money to buy an e-bike that your wife is going to ride, and then you're going to ride that much more with her, and it's going to be just like in Barcelona. Um, hey, didn't you watch that Simpsons episode where Homer bought Marge the bowling ball with his name on it? That didn't go well. The bike fits you. It's not going to work. <laughs> it is basically a bowling ball with your own name on it. Uh, as a gift. Yeah, that's see. Now you guys make me feel bad. Cause of course I was thinking, yeah, you get, you get that size right in the middle, maybe slightly, uh, towards her end of the spectrum, but still in that middle zone. Uh, and you get the, like a one fifty or one seventy <laughs> dropper. And so that way you can easily adjust the seat height. Boom, boom, boom. Like you said it, you know, when it pops up, it's at your height and she can just drop it down to whatever she needs it for. And, uh, you're good to go. Um, you know, I think rock shocks makes that wireless dropper these days. It's no problem. <laughs> if you get, if you get her a road bike with this same sizing philosophy, then if she didn't want to ride it, you could just look super pro. Cause you could put 125 millimeter stem on it and have three miles of seat post and you could just emulate your favorite pro's look of having a super teeny bike and the craziest position so that you can do that then you just yeah. look pro well i think we solved your problem ryan yeah somewhere in there yeah. for sure yeah. save your kisses for me this one comes to us from rob from the pharaohs so i'm sure i'm totally going to be able to understand this the pharaoh islands i believe just a little bit north of the united kingdom you lot will be too young to remember Brotherhood of Man winning the 1976 Eurovision Song Contest with their flesh will own 2020 race prediction. Perhaps a few bars of it in next week's podcast in tribute to Kisses Hershey. Rob from the Pharaohs. Um, any of you guys want to take a stab at what any of this means? So I'm doing some Googling because he, he is correct. Uh, you know, 1976 is a little, just, uh, slightly before my time. Uh, but it looks like, um, Brother of Man, Brotherhood of Man is a musical act of some kind. 
And they do have a song called Save Your Kisses. All right. Well, thanks for the email. Thanks for the email, Rob, from the Pharaohs. I've, if any, if anyone on this podcast had heard that song, I am actually a little bit shocked that little guy does not have the vinyl somewhere in the house. Um, because it, <laughs> I'm, I don't know if you guys have uh, heard of this band before. I looked them up, but this looks a hundred percent like something little guy has in the house. I don't think right. I do, but you never. Know. Oh yeah, this is right next to the Billy Ocean albums, um, for sure. I don't, I don't think I own any uh, Billy Ocean either. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, okay. Why don't you just put that? You know, I'm willing to bet that you can just insert that into the podcast, and Spotify's reader is not going to automatically going to um, catch it and uh, cancel your uh, your ability to put into our podcast. So just just put that in after the credit. <laughs> Next email comes to us from Whitney Reader. Japan racing is greater than everything else, and gentlemen, it is a link to Twitter. I dropped it into the show notes. And it is from Mondo Mascots. Canarin is a mix of a bull and a bell, a literal cowbell with bicycle handlebars for horns. Clearly. It is the mascot for the Kokura Bicycle Racetrack in Fukuoka, Fukuoka, Japan. They ring the bell at the end of each race. This is arguably the greatest mascot in all of sports. Um, and I am retweeting it now. Head over to the Slow Ride Pod. And you can check this mascot out. It is amazing. Whitney, thank you so much for passing this over to us. Everything is right about this thing. It It is a cowbell. It is a cow. It does have handlebar horns. It does ring the bell at the end of races. There's a photo of him doing it. It's It has the... It has the Kieran colors too, though. Special. Yeah. That's my favorite part. It has the nine colors and it has purple number nine. Yes, it does have the purple number nine. In order. This is is epic. This is fantastic. Whitney, email of the week. Yes. And I think, guys, I want to wrap with good friend of the podcast emailing us. He's a good friend, but he was my Ala Philippe before Ala Philippe. <laughs> Of course, I'm talking about Leo Black Label. We've known Leo for years as messengers in the Twin Cities, and I still get angry every time I think about when he flew in from New York City to win the yellow bag over us at some dumb alley cat that little guy probably put on. And he beat me by less than 20 seconds. I already dusted Spencer. Little guy, I'm pretty sure you weren't racing in this one. Um, and Leo's name is in the yellow bag with an NYC right next to it. So I know Leo's living in Minneapolis right now, but you know, you claim New York city and you're just not, not, not a Minneapolis kid. But anyways, Leo writes to us. Hi, slow ride. Thanks for continuing to discuss the lack of equity in cycling and racism in society. Thanks for the great conversation and, or making me laugh. And this has to do with so much that he's written about. Um, or emails that he had written us, but also what we're talking about um, in particular was at the um, Tour de France with the Kevin Rosa, uh, Kevin Reza say no to racism uh, protest when he was um, highlighted and just pretty much a lack of uh, diversity within our sport and our need to continue to work on that and to hear supportive emails from the folks like our good friend and friend of the podcast, Leo Black Label, uh, means a lot to me and I'm sure to you guys as well. So, Mm-hmm. So thanks for the email, Leo. It's great to always hear from you. Yes. Good to see your kids are enjoying the snow too, Leo. 
And with that, guys, I think it is the end of yet another amazing episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. I would like to thank all the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Head on over to wideanglepodium.com to find out how to become a supporter. Willa's Kitchen and their amazing oat milk. Head on over to willaskitchen.com. Use the promo code SLOWRIDE20. And Buckler Skincare, where you can get very own Miracle WAP chamois cream. All uh, where proceeds continue to support the Wide Angle Podium Network. And with that, this is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Matt in Minneapolis. And this is Spencer in Boston, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Wow, what an episode. That was amazing. When that one person said that thing and then the other person totally like set them straight. Oh, man. That was great. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that again. But hey, since I have your attention now, hello, cyclocross friends, new friends and old friends and soon to be friends. My name's Bill. I host another show on the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. It's called Cyclocross Radio, and we talk to the biggest stars in cyclocross and even the medium stars in cyclocross and some of the soon to be stars in cyclocross. We also have a panel discussion we call the Media Pit with my buddy Zach and Michael, where we go over all of the new rules that might be coming out and the calendar situations and races that happen. It's a great time. It's a great conversation. We built an amazing community that we want you to be part of. So go to WideAnglePodium.com, become a member there, then go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Cyclocross Radio. Do it. Do it now. Cyclocross friends.